We are on Ksubis Samachay Omar Aleph 65a. As we continue the Gemara's analysis of the Mishnah, this is the last daf, the last page of the fifth chapter, the fifth paragraph of Ksubis. The Mishnah has been discussing what does the husband have to give to his wife if he's not around, what does he have to provide for her, or if they agree that uh, he won't be with her, that she agrees to it, what does he have to give to her? So continuing on that list, besides for uh, all the food that she needs and the clothing, in addition to all of that, it is, uh, she needs a bed. She needs a bed, and the, the mission says a bed together with a few other things, a soft mat and a hard mat. So the Gemara asks, I don't understand. Once she has a bed, so then why do we have to give a soft and a hard mat? And the commentators explain that uh, the Gemara is assuming that the bed has leather, and the leather should suffice to make it comfortable. So the Gemara answers, no, the case here, the case that we're discussing here is somewhat a case where uh, it's not made out of leather, the bed, but there's ropes. It's made out of ropes. And because it's made out of ropes, uh, it's going to cause pain. And it's going to cause her to um, to feel that pain. And so therefore, uh, we require the husband to also provide a mattress, essentially. Okay. The Brysa, the Gemara now continues on that topic of a bed. Tanara Banan. We have the following Brysa. A nosin la ker vekesas. Mishum Rabbanosin Amru. Does he also have to provide a for her a pillow and a cushion? So this is subject to debate. According to the first opinion, he does not have to provide a pillow and a cushion. According to Rabbi Nassan, he does have to provide it for her. So the Gemara wants to know, well, what exactly is the case? Hechidami. What's the case? Eid orcha my time Tanakama. orcha my time Ask the Gemara, I don't understand. If it's normal, and if it's what everybody does, so then why would the first opinion say that you don't have to give it? Of course you'd have to give it. The point is to give what's normal. And again, the mission is discussing a case where we're dealing with somebody who's poor. This is the base minimum. But if it's normal, he still has to give the minimum. The minimal amount is what's normal. And if it's not normal, so then why would Rabbi Nelson say that you do have to give it? If it's not normal, so then we don't require the ani, the poor person, to give more than what's normal. So what exactly is the case? So answers the Gemara, lo tricha. This is the following, this is the case. Kigon, de orche di develav orche dida. We're talking about a case where he is used, the husband is used to having uh, a pillow and a cushion, but it's not her custom, it's not, it's not her standards. Her standards, I guess the beds that they had then, uh, provided some level of comfort, enough of a level of comfort that they don't require these, this added pillow, this added cushion. I guess nowadays we could refer to it as using two pillows instead of one pillow, something like that. Anyways, it's something which he's used to, but she's not used to. According to the first opinion, the husband can say to her that when I go... I'm going to take it with me. When I travel myself, I'm allowed to take my own pillow. I'm traveling. I'm going away. I'm traveling. So I could take the pillow and I could take the cushion. It's mine. This is my standards when I come back. So you won't have it. You'll, you'll go, you'll return back to your standards while I'm away. When I come back, so then I'll bring it back with me. And then while we're together, so then uh, we will follow my standards. I have higher standards. Rabnasan Savar, however, 
And that's why the first opinion says that uh, he doesn't have to provide it for her because it's not her standards. Rabbi Nelson argues and says that no, even though she has lower standards, we still require it. Why? Umrlay, she will say back to him, that no, sometimes it could happen that you'll come back, you'll come back and you won't be able to bring back the pillow for whatever reason. Let's say it's uh, Friday evening, getting close to Shabbos and he doesn't have the pillow around. What are you going to do uh, if you don't have the pillow? So then you're going to want to take the, my bedding, whatever, whatever's left from my bedding and I'll be left with nothing. I, I, I want to have something just in case, says Reb Nussin, just in case you come back, you end up taking my bedding, and then I'm basically left with nothing. And so that's why Reb Nussin says that uh, he should give it to her in case of that situation where he comes back. And uh, what is she going to do? If he takes her bedding, so then what is, he gonna, what is she going to do? Okay, just to point out, we've had these discussions in the past. What happens if there are different standards between the husband and the wife? And we basically have said in the past, that uh, we go for to in terms of the requirements of the husband towards his wife, we go based on the higher standard. Meaning, if she has a higher standard, so then the husband has to provide based on those higher standards. If the husband has higher standards, so then once they're married, so then the husband has to provide for his wife based on those higher standards. So either way, it has to be based on the higher standards. So what is our Gemara talking about? Our Gemara now is saying that no, it seems to be saying that uh, she should really go based on her standards. Um, and except Reb Nassim has some sort of argument to, to say that, no, there might be a, an emergency situation which might occur, and therefore he might take her betting. But besides for that, it sounds like we don't go based on his standards. His standard is to have this extra pillow and this extra cushion. So there are a few answers given. I would present one of those answers. One answer is that, yes, when they are together, so then she would have to, he would have to provide based on his own standards if his standards are the higher standard. However, the case that we're dealing with in our Mishnah is where they are not together. That's what's, that's what's happening in our Mishnah. They are not together. They're married, but he's traveling. If he's traveling, so then if she has a higher standard, for sure, then the husband has to provide for that higher standard. But if it's his higher standard, if it's he has a higher uh, form of living, standard for living, if that's, that's his higher standard for living, so then, then he has to provide that when they're together. But if they're not together, if he's traveling on a, if he's on a trip, so then... He would not be required to give that to his wife. It might be a nice thing to do, but we're talking about what's required and what's not required. And we're talking about a poor person who uh, is struggling to get by. Um, and so what's required and what's not required. And so to that, if he's traveling, so then he's not required to provide based on his own standards when they are the higher standards. If, she, this, if she's already used to lower standards, so then while he's away, again, once he comes back, so then uh, he does have to provide for her based on his own higher standard. But while he's away, so then she can revert back to her, in comparison, her lower standards. Okay. Continues the Gemara and the analysis of our, uh, of our Mishnah. Our Mishnah points out that, um, that he has to give his wife shoes uh, three times a year at every holiday. Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot. The idea is that by the holidays... When it's supposed to give gifts to increase the level of happiness and rejoicing. And so therefore, three times a year, he's giving her shoes. And once a year, he gives her clothing. So, I don't understand. This is very strange. Moving on to Samachem This is very strange. 
Why is it that three times a year he has to provide her with shoes, one time a year with clothing? What are you doing? You're, you're, you're leaving this uh, wife with, left with no clothing, but oh, at least she has shoes on? Why is it that we prioritize the shoes over the clothing? Doesn't make any sense, asks Rav Papa. So Bai responds back, Amarle, Tana b'makum harim kai. Now, Abaye says that the case that we're talking about here is where they are living by mountains, where she needs three pairs of shoes. The shoes wear out very easily, and she needs three pairs of shoes. It's not that we prioritize the shoes over the clothing. It happens to be that they live in a place where the clothing is... Um, uh, where the shoes are wear out a lot, and therefore she needs multiple pairs of shoes. And the reason why we mention this is because, oh, once we say that she needs shoes for three times a year, when will we give her those shoes? We want to make sure that we'll give it to her during the holidays, during the Yom Tovim. Uh, if we're going to give a gift, so then give it during the holidays. It's, it's a time of extra simcha, of extra rejoicing, of extra celebration. Okay, that's that part of the Mishnah. Moving along, as we are continuing in this uh, last Amud, this last uh, page of this parak. The Mishnah said, Kalim Shachamishim Zuz, that how much clothing does he have to provide for her? Of 50 Zuz, 50, 50 Zuz. That's the value. And again, we're talking about somebody who's very, very poor. And uh, so this is the base value. So the Abaye says, I'm Rabaye, Chamishim Zuze Pshiti. When we're talking about 50 Zuz, it's referring to the simple. There's different types of currency of zuz itself. There's some zuz which is of, uh, of uh, higher value, of greater value. Abayah says we're talking about the one of lower value. It's actually an eighth lower, a significant amount. It's an eighth lower. We're talking about the lower amount. How does he know we're talking about the lower amount? From the fact that we're talking about the base, the minimal amount, because we're talking about somebody who's poor. So it must be that we're not talking about this higher amount, uh, this higher value of Azuz, eight times the amount? No, we're talking about the one that's one-eighth the amount. Visaka daita chamishim zuz mamish, ani chamishim zuz minale. If we're talking about the one that's eight times the amount, the poor person can't afford it. chamishim zuz It means the lower currency of Azuz. There's two different types of currency of Azuz. It's the lower amount. Okay. The Gemara now continues as follows. Okay, in terms of the clothing, the Gemara now analyzes the clothing. What happens if there are extra worn-out clothing? Or what happens if there's extra food? We've been discussing the fact that the husband has to provide food and the husband has to provide clothing. What happens if there are leftovers? What happens if there's leftover food? What happens if there are leftover clothing? So who does it belong to? Tanara Bonan, it's Tanara Bresa. Mosar Mizonos Labal. If there's extra food, that food goes to the husband. If there's extra clothing, that clothing uh, goes to the wife. The wife is allowed to keep it. Now, just to point out, before we even continue, why is it that the extra food is given to the husband? So a few points here. Number one, there's a Tosos elsewhere. Classic commentator on the page, Tosos, says not here, but elsewhere. He explains that what the case that we're dealing with here is not where she already bought the food. No, it's not talking about a case where she already bought the food. She already buys the food and just has leftover food that she's, uh, she doesn't need. She didn't need to use. She still gets to keep it. We're talking about a case here where she was given a certain amount, and let's say 
the market price of the food goes down, so she doesn't have to spend that as much. So we're talking about just does the money return back to the husband? It's not the food. We're not going to take away uh, the food, but it's does the money return back uh, to the husband? That's that's one position in Tosos. Tosos gives that as as uh, as one position. Not everybody agrees to this. Uh, some say that it even applies if she were to purchase food and she has leftover food that that should also return back to her husband. Now, why? Why does it return back to her husband? So this is uh, interesting. Different opinions as to why it returns back to her husband. It could be that he, when he gives it to her, he only has in mind that I'm giving you this money so that or this food so that uh, for what you need. But anything that you don't need should come back to me. This is what I'm giving you. It should come back to me. And so therefore, if she has extras, it should go back to the husband. I don't. It'd be interesting to think about what happens in a case if, let's say, um, uh, I invite somebody for a meal. I invite somebody for a meal, um, and they have leftovers on that plate. Now, one would assume that um, I don't know. Everyone would be uh, forego uh, the the desire to take those leftovers. But let's say it's not the case. Let's say there's a a, a legal dispute about the leftovers. Who does it belong to? Am I allowed to take the leftovers home with me? I'm the guest, or my guests, could they take it home with them? Uh, they they uh, they want to wrap it up in a goodie bag. So it, what's uh, what's the ruling with regards to that? I'm, I'm, I'm giving them uh, a gift. So I don't know. It would be interesting to think about maybe uh, from a legal perspective. Again, I don't think practically this would come up. But from a legal perspective, uh, would, uh, would the leftovers belong to the guest or would it belong to the host? Uh, our Gemara, according to this position, is saying that the, it's returned back to the husband. It's a little bit of a different case between the husband and the wife, but the husband has to provide for his wife. Anything which is left over returns back to the husband because the husband only wanted to give her that which he needs for eating. Um, others explain, or Moshe Feinstein explains differently. He says that, no, we will see. We'll, we'll, we have taught this and we will continue to learn about the fact that anything that she makes or anything she finds goes back to her husband. So if she has leftovers, so then if she has leftovers, it's like she just found something. So that should go back to her husband. So this is a very localized law with regards to the ownership between husband and wife. Um, and so therefore, it should go back to the husband. Okay, why is it? Why is there a difference? Why is it that when it comes to clothing, if there are worn out clothing, it, it, it stays by the wife? The Gemara asks, Moser blows, Lisha Lamala, why is that true? So the Gemara answers, Amarachwa, Behen, Bimeni Dasa, Gana Abayla. The reason is, is because we actually, we want her to wear those when there's a, when there's a prohibition for them to be uh, physically intimate, uh, because she's a nida, she had her period and she didn't go to the mikveh yet, so she's not allowed to be with her husband. So we want different types of clothing that she should wear. She should look uh, nicer when they are allowed to be physically intimate, uh, and so she'll wear the more worn-out clothing when she's not allowed to um, have sexual activity with him, uh, engage in sexual activity. But so that there's this contrast, so that when after she goes to the mikveh, she could. Uh, there'll be this contrast, and and he'll desire her more. Um, okay. Continues the Gemara. Amar Abaye Naktinan Moser Blos Amana Liorshav. Abaye says that uh, the worn out clothing. Let's say it's not a case where the husband is traveling and uh, is providing for the week or for the month, but the husband passes away. So the same rules apply. The husband passes away. The Yorshim, the uh, children, then have to provide for their mother, who is a widow. And it's the same amount, the same amount that's mentioned in the Mishnah. They have to continue to provide on a weekly basis. What happens if there's extra clothing? 
So Abai says, if there's a worn out clothing, it's given to the children. Why? The whole reason why the worn out clothing she's allowed to keep, that's when they're married, so that she wears those clothing while she's in Nida, while they're not allowed to be physically intimate for that contrast. But if her husband passed away, so then it reverts back to the fact that it should be given to the to the uh, to the children that she she's not the owner of it, um, and so that's that's the position of Abaye. Okay, the uh, just to point out to the Rishami, the Jerusalem Talmud is actually of the opinion that uh, with regards to anything extra, whether it's food or whether it's clothing, uh, she's allowed to keep it. Once uh, it's different whether when they're married as opposed to if she's a widow. If she's a widow, so then none of this, none the the, the food and the clothing that stays by her, even if the extra amount stays by her, it's not given. To the Yorshim, to the heirs of the husband. Okay, continues the Gemara. The Mishnah said that they have to eat together on Friday night. So we already referenced this in last week's class, this following dispute. But what does it mean that they have to eat together? What does it mean that they eat together? Rav Nachman says that they have to, what it means, eat together. They have to actually eat together. We mentioned either as a form of being uh, close. They have to have this physical closeness and, uh, and uh, have this nice meal together before they, uh, they are physically intimate. Alternatively, it's to honor Shabbos, to honor Shabbos, the family should be together. Rav Ashi Amr Tashmish. Rav Ashi argues and says that no, when it says that they have to eat together, it doesn't mean that they actually have to eat together. It's just a clean language for saying that they have to be, they should be physically intimate on Friday night. So asks the Gemara, Tanan, Ochelazimo, Lili Shabbos, Bishlam, Lamandam, Rachila, Haina, Dukhani, Ochelaz, Lamandam, Ratashish, Mai Ochelaz. The Gemara asks, in the end of the day, according to Ravashi, if it's about being physically intimate, so why not say so? Why use the language of eating? If you're of the opinion that eating means actually eating makes sense. But if it's about being physically intimate, say what it is. Gemara answers, Lishnam, Alia, Kedosiv, Achlu, Mach, Sopia, Vamra, Lopaltiab. No. The Gemara answers because the, the Mishnah wants to use a clean language. And so it won't use the language of being physically intimate. It'll, it'll use a, a language of, um, of eating. And uh, they even quote a verse which uh, does the same thing. Okay, the Gemara now has the following question. In a brisa says that they should eat Friday night and Shabbos day, both Friday night and Shabbos day together. I understand if eating, if it means eating, you have to eat together. You have to have dinner together. You have to have Shabbos lunch together. But if it's about being physically intimate, so we, we the Gemara says, uh, is, is Rabbi Shimon Gamaliel suggesting that they have to be physically intimate during the day? Is that true? But there's an idea, there's a principle that we try to refrain from being physically intimate to having sexual relations during the daytime. So I'm a Rav, Rava answers that the case is, is where it's dark. That if one wants to be physically intimate by day, they have to make sure that the room is dark. That's a halacha, that's a law. It shouldn't be light, it should be dark, uh, so that they uh, are not distracted by other things. And it's a form of modesty. Um, but uh, that's how it could be, that it's required by night and by day. That for Bishim Galil, it's also required by day. Um, what does it mean that it's required by day is discussed by the commentators. It might be that if uh, they're required to, if the, the amount of times that they should be 
uh, physically intimate is twice per week, and they haven't done it yet, so then they should, saying they should do it Friday night and Shabbos day. Okay, a few more lines in the Gemara till we complete this parak, this chapter. Vimhaisa Minika. We mentioned in the Mishnah that if she's nursing, if she's nursing, so then uh, we do not require her to work as much, and we also have to provide, the husband has to provide for her more. He has to provide for her more. Darsh Rabbi Ula, Rabba Apischa de Rabbi Ula, the great, said the following in the house of the Nasi. Ava Pisha Amru, in Adam Zan, as Ban of Nozak Chin Kitanim, Avazan Kitanim Kitanim. That even though a person, we don't force a person to support their, to provide sustenance for their children, but if they're very, very young, under the age of six, we will force it. Again, it's highly, highly recommended. We've discussed this in the past, even above the age of six. Uh, but below the age of six, that's for sure required, and we will force it. Until the age of six. Why the age of six? We find elsewhere that uh, the, the child actually stays with his mother, even with regards to the laws of Shabbos and where they're allowed to carry, they, they, they're defined, their place is defined based on the mother's place. In fact, when it comes to child custody, the age of six is very important. Uh, below the age of six, uh, we say that uh, the ch- children should stay with the mother for the same reason. So the Gemara wants to know Mimai. How do we know this idea that um, that uh, he has to provide, if they're under the age of six, he has to provide sustenance uh, and we force it? Where, where does this come from from our Mishnah? So the Gemara explains, We said that if she's nursing, she has a baby, we increase the Mizonos, uh, the sustenance. So my time, isn't the reason because the husband has to provide for all children under the age of six. That's why we increase the sustenance. The Gemara says, no, no, the reason why is because she's sick. We, we view her, somebody who's nursing, is view her as somebody who's ill, she's weaker, she needs to eat more, she needs to produce milk. And that's why, it's not because, it's not a proof that, that uh, the husband has to provide sustenance, uh, the father has to provide sustenance to his child under the age of six. The Gemara says, what kind of proof is this? First, the Gemara says, no, it's not talking about somebody who's sick. If it's talking about because she's sick, so then just say that she's sick. Why does the, why does the mission discuss somebody who's nursing? Just say that she's sick. To this, the Gemara answers, no. It's specifically because she's sick. The mission is telling us that when she's nursing, she's defined as somebody who's sick, meaning we have to care for her more. We have to provide more for her. We have to provide more sustenance for her. We want to make sure that she's able to produce milk. And so therefore, that's the point to the Mishnah. So the Mishnah is not telling us that a father has to provide under the age of six. No, the Mishnah is telling us that he has to provide for his wife because she's nursing and we want to make sure that she's healthy and is able to produce milk. And one last line in the Gemara, What do we provide for her if she's nursing? Interestingly, especially since we had our whole discussion in the last class about wine, we, we increase wine. We want to give her wine because wine is good for nursing. It's good for nursing and good for producing milk. Okay, that completes the fifth chapter, the fifth paragraph. Just one point on uh, the father uh, providing for his kids. Ramosha Feinstein, we've discussed this in the past, says that even though there's this distinction between under the age of six and above the age of six, nowadays it's really based on uh, do they rely on, are they living at home? Do they rely on the parents for, for food? That basically, until the age where it's normal to work, the parents should continue to support their children. Once they reach the age where it's normal to work, so then the parents are not required. They could. They're not required to support their children. But below that age, they should uh, support 
they should support their children with uh, with food. Okay, we will continue the next parak, the sixth parak, in the next class.